0: All right, so here we are. Uh, This is my fourth podcast and this is a little bit of an intro into the podcast. Uh, On this episode, what I went ahead and did is I had my first guest ever. Holy fuck, yeah! Uh, His name is Abe. He's an awesome guy. He's a friend of mine. We talked about cinema and movies. It got a little bit off track at points. We talked about a lot of different stuff. We talked about his writing, how he just graduated school why he's the first guest, why we're really good friends. We talked about a lot of different stuff, um, ranging from superhero movies to Coen Brothers. We did talk a lot about Evil Dead and Bruce Campbell. But the reason that I had Abe on is he's a really good friend of mine. He knows a lot about movies, and we didn't even get, we barely scratched the surface, really, in this episode. I do want to say that this episode ended up being roughly an hour and 20 minutes when I had originally recorded it with Abe. I edited it down to about 40 minutes or so to probably the the official runtime will probably be about 45 minutes and i gotta say it was incredibly difficult i've I greatly underestimated how hard it was going to be to edit a podcast down with two voices. It was really hard. So this 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 podcast is becoming kind of an obsession of mine. It's becoming a labor of love. And I know, you know, I've been tracking the numbers and I'm looking at how many people download. And I know not a lot of you, not a lot of people are listening. And that's okay because I'm still kind of learning. But I'm hoping that the more that I learn and the more that I do this, the more people are going to start to gravitate towards it as like a stream of content that you want to download and enjoy, because that's really my goal here. It's to share something that I'm creating with the people out there um, and to use this podcast as a way to reach you. Next week, I've already got my next guest booked and I've got a you know some people kind of lined up for possible guests in the future. And I'm really looking forward to what the future of this podcast is going to bring. I will say that I apologize officially for my terrible mic, I am getting a new mic. I probably shouldn't be spending money, but I'm doing it because I really wanna make something out of this podcast. And even if nothing monetarily comes out of this, I just wanna make something that's worth sharing. And so for anybody that's listening to this and listens to the whole thing or has listened to any of the episodes up until this point, I just really wanna say thank you so much. I've learned a lot about myself and I've learned a lot about who I am just by doing this podcast. And especially this episode where I got to listen to myself talking to somebody else. So I just wanna say, thank you to all of you guys thank you to Abe for being on the podcast and without further ado I guess what I'm gonna do here is I'm just gonna play the music do the stuff Duncan and stuff that was weird I don't, I'm sorry yeah all right enjoy the show We are podcast with Abe Abram Ulysses Howe. Not my name. I mean, that's about as close as I could come from memory. That's like two out of three.
1: You got two out of three. That's pretty good for you. That's
0: pretty good. I figured that you didn't have a middle name. It's my
1: middle me. name is equally, if not more, Jewish than my first name.
0: This is all true. I don't want to have to get into that. There's going to be like six people are going to listen to this podcast, and I don't I'm want sure you... at least
1: two of them will be offended by me.
0: I don't want you to feel like they're going to personally track you down by having all three of your names. So you should leave that as a secret. You can be like like the one missing guy from the mystery man.
1: Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that guy's name is Kel Mitchell.
0: I don't know who that is because I don't have names memorized like you. So I'm like, is that Pee Wee Herman? Is that the... <laughs> 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 I, I love movies, but I cannot begin to imagine how you memorize all the names or you just know them. It's not even you memorize them, and You're like, yeah, I know.
1: Well, you know that game of six or seven degrees of separation? Yeah. I love playing that game with myself. I love watching something and being like, you know what, that person looks familiar. What else is he in? And then I'll find something that actor or actress is in, and then I'll connect them to another movie or another actress. And I'll just, I mean, I can go through IMDb for hours connecting people together. I'm like, oh, I know that person from this. And so over time, you just start memorizing these names because you see them so often, and then you start forgetting other ones.
0: That's true. You're the first guest on this podcast. You're my friend, Abe. We've known each other for a while, And we'll get kind of get into that a little bit, but the reason that you're on the podcast today is because I wanted to use this podcast as kind of like a a springboard to talk to people about their passions, talk to people, not just that I know, but like other people about things that they care about and somehow figure out why it is that they care about it, and also just kind of learn, I guess. And so today, we're, you and I are going to be talking about something that I know you really care about, which is movies, cinema. I just kind of want to give an overview of like your why you're really passionate about this. You just graduated school, which is great. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, this is the first time I've actually congratulated you, so I feel like a dick friend.
1: I'm, I'm now actually officially smarter than people without a degree.
0: That's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's me it's a real I, thing i can just you, go around
1: like i what's you? Have, oh you have an associate's degree oh, i'm smarter than you i just that's fact
0: i'm hoping to get the honorary degree you know like I, that's, that's what i
1: That trumps like the doctorates the yeah, honorary but, degree is like you didn't have to go to school and you got a degree
0: <laughs> I, today usc gave will Farrell an honorary doctorates they gave him an honorary doctorates and i was like what the fuck does that even mean? So he's a doctor now? Like, that's just the thing that's...
1: Honorarily, yeah.
0: Like, you just get a degree. Is that what happens when you get... Well, famous? I mean,
1: what's his honorary doctorate's in?
0: Communications? Who knows?
1: Making me shit my pants with laughter? Maybe. Because that's totally well-deserved.
0: Well, deserved. well he, his speech was, like, awesome. He said, I can't wait to be on a plane and somebody to say, is there a doctor? And I can jump to my feet and say, I'm a doctor. I can deliver that baby. And then, like it, like people laughed and pausing. He's like, and hopefully, it's on a United like airlines flight. (laughs) And people are like, oh.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's a he's a big fan of that low hanging fruit.
0: They just give those away when you get famous. They just give them you a degree or an honorary thing.
1: You probably have to apply for them, like a a a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. What people don't apply for those? Yeah, you do. You have to pay a whole fee to get those. Have
0: you been to the the Walk of Fame? No. Oh. I just realized that you were here visiting not too long ago, and like I didn't even think to take you there. And like you're such a movie fan, you get more caught up in the work, it seems to me, than like the actual like ethos of the person in their real life. You're like, I really appreciate your work, but you're just a person.
1: Given the choice, like the actor that I would shit my pants to meet, even if I had to meet said actor with said shit in my pants, it would be Bruce Campbell because I love Evil Dead so much. it it has nothing to do with like how big of a star they are. It's how big of a star they are for me.
0: Yeah. And that's like an interesting thing to me because I think that anybody who heard that and was just like listening to that and said, Oh, like this guy really likes cinema. This like guy likes film and like narrative film. Bruce Campbell's kind of like, "Eh, he's whatever. He's not that great. I would say that a that's wrong in my opinion. I, I try not to alienate too many people by saying they're wrong, but, That you kind of came into appreciating film because you got into Evil Dead at an age where you were like impressionable and you were like, this is amazing. There's nothing like this. And it kind of stayed with you now where you still can appreciate like Bruce Campbell, whereas like other people are like, he's like campy and it's like campy is not always a bad thing.
1: No, absolutely not. I think it should be said that like your and my friendship began with a short film project. Yeah. That project itself is really what turned me on to film. At the time that we met, I was in a really like not awesome place as far as figuring out where I was going to go with my education, what I wanted to do with my life in general, what I liked. Um, and a lot of the things that I liked, I just felt like I wasn't good at. I was in a really kind of like dark place. And so working on that short film with you made me just kind of like finally accept film as what I like, regardless of whether or not it will turn into something. Like It's what I like, and it's what I want to know more about. With Evil Dead first one um where you know sam Raimi was like 22 years old and uh him and bruce campbell and them it was like they were they were still in college and it was it wasn't their college film but it was a film that they made um while they were in college uh and it was really hard and it was a really difficult shoot and i guess just for me my story and their story really resonated um and so i just became a huge fan of their perseverance and that made me want to know more about film and honestly the, you know i just finished school the last term paper that i wrote was all about how practical effects are well i mean in general more important to the sanctity of film than cgi
0: i 100 percent agree with that that's something that like for me I think that this generation kind of is like, oh, that's like so real looking. But like I have a really good example of that, specifically keeping in line with like Evil Dead, which is in the first Spider-Man movie, which is done by Sam Raimi. They did like a practical camera effect where he did something very similar. That was a much more technical, much more high budget level to what he did in the Evil Dead movie. The Evil Dead movie, what they did was they did like a two by four flat with two people on either side of it yeah. with a with a camera in the center their homemade they, shaky cam yeah, yeah. their homemade shaky cam now they did something similar to that where they basically put wires going down the sides of buildings at the top of the buildings much more complicated much higher budget but very similar idea and then you fast forward to the amazing spider-man with Andrew garfield which we won't speak of even though people love it for some some people like it i guess yeah, I, people are like well spider-man 3 was terrible and it's like that doesn't mean i get to get fucked in the eyes <laughs> this is a terrible movie and, and <laughs> i'm sorry for the people that were in it because they were all like decent it's just it was it not executing
1: i mean Maybe. if you if you want any sort of any more evidence towards like the fact that sam raimi is uh you know an auteur um and not just a director look at spider-man 3 the studio tried to get a little too handsy with his property and he was like, oh, yeah, oh yeah. you you want to tell me what to do? It was honestly shot well, but the subject material was so over the top and so not in line with Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, that jazz scene, the guy that has the producing credits or the rights to Spider-Man, his name is Ave, and he ruins the movies because it was his decision to like put Venom in there. Basically tell Sam Raimi like, Hey, we know that you did these two awesome movies. And like, mind you, this was after X-Men before Avengers, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Before Avengers. Well, like before Avengers, but I'm pretty sure Spider-Man was after X-Men. So like at the time, like the Spider-Man movies were like.
1: Yeah, X-Men came out in 2000. And I think.
0: Spider-Man was 2002 or 2000. Spider-Man I think,
1: the first one?
0: Yeah, I think Spider-Man the first one was when I was in high school. Spider-Man the second one was when right. I was
1: 19. That's my weakness. I remember actors. I'm terrible with dates.
0: Uh, See, I remember everything about how old I am. I'm like, where was I when I was listening to Millennium by Will Smith?
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes, get jiggy with it, 1998.
0: Yeah, no, of course. Uh, On TV, keeping with Bruce Campbell, because I really am actually curious about this. Have you seen any of the Fargo episodes? Because he was actually in in season two of Fargo. Did you see those at all?
1: Yeah, which is a Coen Brothers thing, right? I think it was Joel Coen got his first job uh working as like an assistant editor on Evil Dead.
0: I did not know that. Uh
1: so you will find that Campbell, uh Raimi, and then the Cohen brothers, they they all kind of give each other little nods and handshakes here and there. That's because of like they, they started out together, essentially. You know, Joel Cohen, that was his, his entry into film. And now he is who he is. So, you know, you kind of got to throw a little, uh, I wouldn't call them favors, I guess, necessarily. But it's like paying homage, you know, to the people that were helped you get to where you are, I guess. But, so anyways, he, he plays a great Reagan in, in Fargo. Um, but it's funny to know that, like, that's where you got to start. But, or where Joel got to start was with working with Bruce and Sam.
0: Well, I think that you're, like, touching on, like, a really important issue with, like, the, or, like, not even an important issue, but, like, a really specifically unique thing about the film and television sector of the creative world, which is that. It's very collaborative. Yeah, you could write it. Yeah, you could direct it. Yeah, you could start it. And I've, I've noticed just from living in Los Angeles, just the more that I do talk to people who are in the industry, that it feels really cutthroat at the bottom because you're trying to get in there. Right. But like once you're in there and like, or once you meet somebody or once you've kind of started with somebody or you're working with somebody on something, that it becomes very like, we're in this together.
1: And we well, yeah. kind of when, share the experience together. But it comes down, like you said, if you're on the bottom, um, it is very cutthroat. And then eventually, you have to make a choice to trust somebody because you can't do it alone. I guess what I'm trying to say is like the production of it is so much faster than what it used to be. And so if you can't write a show and get it put on the air as fast as they want it with that you used to be able to do that with. Um, so you need a staff of writers who all understand the same material and all understand the characters. so basically, as like a showrunner you are having to clone yourself 40, 50, 60 times so that everyone feels the same as you do and has the same idea of who these characters are um, so that you can get the show put into production. Uh, and at some point along the way, you are going to need to trust somebody with... Uh, so for in, in my instance, I'm a writer. Um, at some point in the process, I will need to trust somebody with my intellectual property. Because there's no way I could do it myself. Uh, and that's that's really dangerous, obviously. So uh, it makes sense that when those types of endeavors work out, you want to keep working those people. Um, it makes sense that the reason why Sam Raimi, Robert Taperd, and Bruce Campbell still hold each other in such high regard is because they weren't out to get each other. They were out to make this movie. It happened to be a huge success. Um, and it launched their careers, and uh, and you know they, they came out of it with no ill will towards each other. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, there's a Definitely lot of stabbing. Um, but but that, and that that's the dangerous thing about the process is that uh, you can't do it alone. Um, either either you do it alone and it takes you years and years and years, or you you find a group of people that you really trust that uh, that know your your vision as well and and work towards that
0: i think that that's like something a lot of just general americans and also just content consumers kind of lose sight of when you go to see a movie or you see a tv show when it's over you stand up and you walk out and people are like the credits blah. like i just saw guardians of the galaxy 2 and i was like there's so many because pe- you in a marvel movie you stay until the end you watch all the credits and you're like there's so many people involved in the process so like it really to me it's imperative like what you were saying is like you do have to work with people because there's no way that you could create something i'll end the superhero thing with saying that i actually have a friend who is in guardians of the galaxy 2 he's just a guy that i met when i was helping uh do some stuff and he was really nice we're friends on facebook so i guess that means we're friends
1: you're official then
0: yeah but he had posted a photo of him in full makeup and i was like oh my god what the fuck and he's like i'm in guardians of the galaxy 2 you should go see it and he has like two lines in the movie wow and Lydia and I got excited because we both, like, know who he
1: is. That's, like, my whole dream. If somebody give me the choice between being a writer successfully and, like, being able to do that for the rest of my life and, like, a line in full makeup where nobody recognizes me as a character actor in a movie, I would definitely take the latter.
0: Have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2? No. I'm shocked.
1: I know you are. Uh, there's reasons, though.
0: What, are you doing a podcast? Like, come on. <laughs>
1: Well, instead of going to see it right now, I'm sitting here with you, so...
0: I appreciate that. Do you want me to spoil it for you? No, I don't. Uh, A friend of mine's in it, and he has two lines.
1: You fucking blew it for me. I can't believe you did that.
0: In small moments, we talk very concentrated about new movies, but I know that we expand and talk about older movies a lot. Where are you at with, like, movies pre-1980? Because I I feel like a lot of them tend to be a little bit melodramatic. Uh,
1: You know, acting as we know it has been around since maybe like thirty, late twenties on. Um, well
0: I mean the Grease Act. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I'm just saying, you mean like, like on film. Like like on recorded film.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um on recorded film. The earliest films were, you know, in the uh well let's see, the late eighteen hundreds, to be honest. Um but yeah, was not like short like, robbery
0: in like eighteen Yeah, you know, really
1: short films like uh George Mellier was working in the 1800s, the late 1800s, to early 1900s. Um, and he's the one that made like a trip to the moon where, you know, they shoot a this rocket into the moon's awesome. eye. Awesome film. Super no, awesome.
0: I, I agree. I made Lydia, my girlfriend watched that recently. It was on Netflix. They had the black and white. Oh, and I know. They yeah. They had the color and I was like, this is great. Yeah. So I was excited, but sorry. Um,
1: but that was more like a stage production that they filmed. Um, acting as we know it really, as far as I know, Uh, came about in the 20s and 30s um and honestly it was really it was like precursors to the horror genre the the cabinet of dr caligari was a late 20s film and it was film made with in the style of german expressionism it's still in certain ways is very much like a stage production you saw the beginnings of like actors um specifically the guy who played dr caligari um not being so melodramatic every other character in the film was super like oh i can't oh this is happening now and oh i can't believe it but the guy who played dr caligari um was much more nuanced in his performance and very it played a lot more towards the camera and then you come along with things like nosferatu where um oh yeah count orlock is is very menacing and it, he's he's very much uh the beginnings of what we know today is acting.
0: And that, that's kind of like an interesting thing though, is that you said like it had its like precursors and like horror and like, I kind of like wonder is like the sense with film, particularly like with movies where it's kind of like this spectacle, it's this like event that happens where like people are looking for escapism and now we're like kind of entering this like really interesting kind of realm where some people are like calling it like peak TV where like TV is just really good. But to me it feels like there's a lot of drama on TV And there's a lot of comedy on TV and there's a lot of uh, nuances between the two and also kind of just repetitive of the both. It doesn't really seem like there's a lot of like classic horror television to me.
1: Well, there's not a lot of classic horror in film anymore. Uh, To be honest, the first thing that I've seen in maybe the last decade that really felt like a classic horror was Get Out. because it wasn't anything jumping out at me, and you know the ooga booga type of scares, I felt so unnerved throughout, for, literally from start to finish, um, throughout the whole film. Just, just uh, this sense of distress, uh, and that's what horror is. Um, it, it's building this world where you feel uneasy. Um, you realize that something's not right, and that's like uh, that leads you to. Because, and here's the thing, here's why Get Out was classic horror. Um, It's because you were thinking about it after you left. Most people don't have a deep-seated fear of this hulking monster smashing through the door and stabbing them. That is like a general, like, that would be scary, but it's also not realistic. Um, The reason Get Out was classic horror is because it was like, it was a a little off-kilter. Um, It's not something we see every day, but you can definitely see it happening in your everyday life. Uh, You can see how with just maybe a little push, the reality of the movie could become your reality. They have to withstand the test of time in one way or another for them to be considered masterpieces. No, I agree 100% Um, with that. It is the ultimate test. It's like, is it still relevant in one way or another 30 years down the road um am
0: i a masterpiece no i'm 30 years old
1: yeah but you're already f- falling apart
0: that's true <laughs> 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 oh it's uh, just remind me to like edit the wah wah <laughs> <laughs> after the fact i think we can do that I'll i'll get one of my interns on it yeah yeah
1: which so one the dog or the girl
0: no no phil it's a it's a new guy oh huh? yeah He's not in this closet. He's got his own closet next door. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You're he doesn't right. closet. I, yeah, you've seen my apartment. It, it's like a big closet. <laughs> I, I pay almost $25,000 in my apartment.
1: Yeah, that's like what I'm, I make.
0: Yeah, it's like what I make, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's my point. Duncan, I heard you're starting a podcast. Why would you do that? Well, I kind of want to figure out how to find more money somewhere.
1: Yeah, stuff, somehow. Maybe if I make a podcast, somebody will throw money at it.
0: That would be cool. This podcast is sponsored by high school. It was terrible, but you got to do it.
1: You have to go. (laughs) Yeah. By law. Have (laughs) to go.
0: That'd be sweet. Just get a check every month that's like addressed from high school.
1: You want to go for government sponsorship money for sure.
0: Government, I know you're watching this. You're listening. Jeff Sessions is like, oh yes, we. Oh my God, I don't even want to get into politics. I know that no, like yet. we'll, we'll go down of that. A
1: couple hours. We'll go
0: down that slippery road. Um,
1: Can you yeah, tell you me your? somebody story? more well informed than me.
0: Yeah, you you have like a good aggressive opinion about stuff though. I appreciate sure that. Do. <laughs> how, how about you tell me your favorite political movie? Don't say Minjurian Candidate" because then I'm going to be upset.
1: Your favorite political movie. movie. Yeah. Clear in present danger.
0: Oh fuck! You had that like just locked in. Concrete. Oh, for
1: sure, Harrison Ford. Are you kidding me? You got the Jack Ryan. I mean, you got uh, fucking Tom Clancy's like political intrigue. You got Harrison Ford. Jack Ryan's a great character. That's the best political movie.
0: I'm going to tell you my favorite political movie, and okay, I'm going to give go you a quote. I'm going to give you a quote and see if you can give
1: guess me, it. Yeah, give me a quote. See if I can guess it.
0: Get off my
1: plane, Air Force One.
0: With Harrison Ford,
1: with Harrison Ford <laughs> and Gary Oldman, my favorite actor.
0: Gary Oldman is such an underappreciated badass. Where it's like I didn't realize it until he was on a the Nerdist podcast, where like Chris Hardwick was like, "What does his real voice sound like?" Yeah. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, I've never really That's heard him inter- not acting."
1: It's a real thing. He's done so many uh, different accents that he once got hired to do a movie where his character was where he was originally from and he had to hire a voice actor to reteach him his original accent and i was like uh yeah that's uh, that's genius that's what i would consider a genius
0: yeah that's pretty crazy
1: <laughs> as i as i write characters once you get so in depth into these characters you start hearing them in your head um and i know that sounds kind of crazy and that's because it is a little crazy, and it's, it's making me a little... But um, So, for example, I was writing a short film, uh, and there were, uh, I think, four or five different characters. Uh, two of them were gay. Uh, one was a girl. Another guy was a straight guy. Another was like a gay girl. Anyways, um, I had to... My challenge was, uh, I personally wasn't any of these characters. None of them were a straight white male, and that was the goal. Uh, I didn't want my voice slipping into these characters, um, so they had to each come up with their own distinctive voices as I was writing them. Um, and it was crazy because eventually, as I was nearing the end of the script and, and things were going really well, and I was, uh, I, I knew what they were going to say, um, I could hear their voices in my head, and. Uh, there was a couple times where I would like write a line and I'd hear that character's voice, the the character who I was writing at the time, tell me, I wouldn't say it like that. I'd be like, Oh, you're right. And I'd have to go erase what I just wrote and then fix it in the way that they would have wrote it. Um, maybe that's crazy. Uh, I haven't really talked to anybody about it yet, but uh,
0: no, I think that's great that you bring that up on this podcast. I actually don't think that that's like particularly crazy for creative people. Uh, I think that like for me, it's like, uh, I, I haven't done anything as creative and extensive as you've been working on in a while. The closest thing would be this podcast, but it started to kind of like suck up my personal think time where maybe I would be thinking of things like, uh, you got to eat
1: for dinner and,
0: yeah, and you got to <laughs> buy toilet paper and like, or like you're, you know, like, or like I, I tend to sometimes have like a really oddly, schizophrenic kind of almost like a skipping of a rock self-deprecating inner monologue where like it just comes in waves where i like you're a shitbag you're terrible nobody likes you and it's just kind of like it just comes every now and then where i'm like oh i'm negative but i've been trying to be a lot better about that and since i started the podcast i've been thinking about it a lot and even this whole week leading up to this you know we've known each other for a long time i kept thinking like okay like what kind of conversations are we going to have like how do i really want to format it you know like abe's opinion is something i really respect so i want to make sure that it's something that feels natural but it also feels informative and you know so i i started to think about it and like it's weird to feel like i could hear you almost kind of talking or you're like what you would say and like how you would sure react yeah. and it's presumptuous because obviously you haven't said any of the things that i thought you were going to say
1: yeah yeah i like, like i thought to- you were right.
0: Yeah. I thought you were going to say something like
1: awesome. You said some, it doesn't out. happen now. No,
0: no. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, a blue moon. but like, I think it's because like you just, your brain creative people like are able to just turn their brain up. Like the problem is you can't really turn it down. And so then it yeah. starts to feel like you're well, crazy because you're like,
1: yeah, you crazy? it is like, um, it is like a rock rolling down a hill. Uh, yes. it, it's really difficult sometimes to get it going. Uh, And then when you do, it's almost impossible to stop. And that can also be dangerous Um, because uh, I've written a couple characters that are homicidal or suicidal or already have, you know, I mean, because people are flawed. And so like, it's important to write these characters, even if their um, inner monologues never come into play with the story, it's important to know the characters you write uh, intimately. And so as I write these characters, it's important for me to write what they're saying while I'm feeling what they're feeling. And it can be dangerous if you don't know how to turn that off. I've definitely had a couple arguments with Beyonce because I'm not back in my headspace. I'm still in this character's headspace, which is still kind of my headspace because it came out of my brain. Um, But it's like, uh, I guess how I normally write characters is like, if I took, one moment in my life and then completely went like like a like a seminal moment something that i think mattered and then i went a completely opposite way and what my life went and then that's a character but it's a totally different branch of what you know what is it's like what could have happened so
0: well that's interesting that you say that because like i feel like i hear a lot of times the thing that irritates me the most in like interviews with actors is like they get off often asked like so you did this role for like six months and then did did you find it hard to go home and not feel like you took the role home with you and there's always like the smug actors like i'm an actor of course i didn't it's my job and i'm like yeah that's true i get that and i appreciate that you're trying to be professional but if you spent like 13 months six months seven months Doing an accent, a voice every day, and then on top of that, like training of any kind, like you know, weapons or whatever. In movies nowadays, they have actors doing a bunch of shit. You tell me you didn't go home once and say like something that wasn't like in line with who you were. That's yeah. that's crazy. I've never, crazy. That's I've never
1: heard anybody ask Daniel Day Lewis that question, and I think it's because he'd probably be like, "Of course, it's hard."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Daniel Day Lewis. That's like one of those things that we like. So in the intimate moments when he's like by himself do you think he like wiped his ass and was like i'm abraham lincoln like do you think well, that, he would, like, that, would, the
1: last that would moment. be like asking me do you think abraham lincoln ever wiped his ass and was like i'm abraham lincoln uh, so abraham- answer, which answer the answer to that is no i don't think that happened
0: okay so like abraham lincoln got elected to president what if he had to poop right like five minutes after he he like swore in like, I solemnly swear, i got to poop, and then he pooped. Like, what did he think about? Because, like, I know that my brain goes to the weirdest places when I'm pooping. It's, like, where I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, well, there's is- a
1: lot of questions there. Like, is he a fast pooper? Does he take a while? Because, I mean,
0: if- not, there's a lot of fiber back then. So, in Abraham <laughs> Lincoln's case, he's probably just, like, ready to go.
1: Yeah, no time to think. So, who knows? But yeah. I will say from, like, the, um,
0: pooped in his head,
1: quote, unquote, method actor standpoint, which, Method acting these days has become more of a gimmick than an actual method. Yeah. Somebody that, you know, I really honestly do think does it well is Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, um, yeah. And I've seen interviews of uh, his wife, Isla Fisher, talking about, like, when he was doing Borat or when he was doing Bruno, uh, him coming home and, like, them just, like, having conversations as, they, as he is Borat or Bruno. And she's like, yeah, it is like super surreal to like have a conversation about real life, but as he is this other person.
0: Well, it's interesting too when like you speak about that, is because like I've heard him give only really one interview, and it was to Mark Maron, and I was like, I've seen him do interviews, but it's always as the the character. It was very interesting to me because I love comedy. I think that comedy is, you know, when you talk about writing horror and like horror is, I think, very difficult to not only shoot but also to write i think writing good comedy is really hard but when you hear him talk about it it's it's something that he really cares about and it's really serious to him and it's not just him being like yeah i'm gonna be like my wife it's more like no like that took a lot of work to get to that
1: yeah and that's why it was successful you can see that in uh early adam sandler comparative to late adam sandler like uh Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore were not necessarily all about the punchline. It was a lot of like how you got there. And those were like a lot of the most quotable parts is like him just being the, the buffoon, yeah. which is also an Adam Sandler character, not the one in the movies. Anyways, it's a whole thing. Uh, but uh, the movies that he's making now, it is all about like setting up the punchline when none of the setup is funny. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it makes the punchline, you're just supposed to like laugh out of nowhere with no buildup. Uh, I don't know, man, like I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I mean, it's like, I can't even liken it to a volcano Um, because the volcano exploding would still be cool.
0: But no, no, the volcano movie with Tommy Lee Jones.
1: Ah, classic. But not yeah. better than Dante's Peak. With
0: Pierce Dante's Peak is one of my fucking favorite movies. And I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. When the grandma gets off the boat and she's like pushing them and this is the acid. And like Pierce Brosnan's all like, oh, no.
1: Classic Pierce Brosnan.
0: <laughs> that is classic Pierce Brosnan. I was really hoping that he was going to get the role for Cable when he showed up on like the set for Deadpool. Yeah. I was like, no way. They wouldn't do that. Did they end up with, going with With fucking uh Thanos.
1: Oh, that's right. Josh Brolin. Yeah, that's I'm, a weird choice. I need
0: to get better at getting names because then if I'm going to do a podcast, I'm like the fucking the guy from Marvel, Kevin, you know?
1: I mean, I don't know, maybe like do a little prep time. I whatever.
0: Dude, I totally just pulled Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones out of my butt. What do you yeah, what do You
1: you always have that ready to go?
0: Oh, okay. Well, like how about like Fugitive? Another Oh, toy soldiers
1: yeah the best tommy lee jones movie
0: whoa, whoa whoa, i don't know fugitive's pretty good he's also in no country for old men which is insane that's like a movie where i'm like
1: uh, which we're circling back to coen brothers now
0: yeah yeah no that agree Agreed. that's a good that which oddly enough the villain in that movie is a villain in another bond movie
1: true it's all interconnected and we're tommy, all part, we're all under the illuminati's thumb and tommy, that's really what film is important
0: tommy lee jones looks like the villain from the goonies dad the weird dimly face thing
1: jesus christ
0: who was also a bond villain for real <laughs> yeah the guy that one of them the one with like uh i don't know give me a give me a james bond that why are their names i don't even know this is like where it's like i know movies but i don't know names of anybody
1: sean connery
0: no that's the original like one of the weird ones uh the guy that's in um penny dreadful
1: timothy dalton
0: timothy dalton he was the villain in one of the timothy dalton ones
1: peter lazenby he was born for george george lazenby sorry i was like i
0: was like who is that a congressman what was that name? <laughs> <laughs> what district does he represent
1: <laughs> all the um, names here's here's the other problem with uh knowing a lot of names is they all start to get confused after a while
0: not only that but you say shit like that and i'm like i think you have some sort of disorder. Where are you, you are the walking IMDb.
1: Yeah, I try. That's really the goal. Uh, cause I feel like that's gotta be a monetizable skill at some point. Yeah.
0: I mean, you could probably write a blog or do reviews for some, for something.
1: I just want somebody to pay me to recite actors to him. Some really rich guy. would be like, who's the guy in that one thing? I'm like, Oh, it's him.
0: Who's the, uh, the villain in blank check.
1: I'd, I'd work on <laughs> blank check. <laughs> that fucking one with a kid yeah he blank check
0: he used to he used to come into the restaurant i worked at and he was always like really quiet and he always seemed like a villain but he was actually really nice but like i always couldn't put my finger on what for it was for some reason
1: i want to say it's like paul giamatti but that's because i'm thinking a big fat liar no
0: no no it's paul giamatti like light it's like the actor who like plays him sometimes when he can't make it to another movie he's probably in like a lot of CIS, csi shows it's like any actor that i don't know from like his specific role. I'm like, oh, they're on like Law and Order or CSI.
1: I don't know. They have to have I mean, at least been like relatively famous at one point for me to consider remembering them.
0: Uh, okay. Let's see. I'm trying to stump you. Around.
1: I'm running out of space in my brain for stuff. So,
0: Ooh, who's the villain in A night's Tale? Who's that guy?
1: Uh, Rufus Sewell.
0: I met him in person one time, and he was cool.
1: Yeah, he's in Dark Tower. Uh, Dark, not Dark Tower. Dark City. <laughs> City. i was like great i just said uh matthew, i start losing
0: matthew mcconaughey
1: <laughs> i start losing certain things to make room for new stuff i can only fit so much in my brain
0: no it's like it, it reminds me of like the error message when you like disconnect a usb and it's like you disconnected the the drive incorrectly it could have corrupted the files and i'm like did i I don't know. And then the next time I plug it in, I'm like, why are all my pictures broken and they look like all scattered everywhere? Yeah,
1: that's me. I go from Rufus Sewell in Dark City to being like Rufus Wainwright in Dark Tower. Wait, what?
0: <laughs> uh, fair. Um, well, it was actually pretty good talking to you for this. We've almost done an hour. So this is uh, going to be my all the other podcasts combined. I'll probably edit this down to like 30 minutes, but I'm going to yeah, probably. Yeah, stuff. I'm probably gonna stop recording now and then you and I could just talk and fuck all the fans. Cause we do this for us.
1: Well, I mean, fucking all the fans is the only thing a podcast is good for.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure if that you don't I'm get gonna... to
1: fuck the fans, then what's the point?
0: You really shouldn't I've told you this. Stop sticking your dick into your fan.
1: Remember when we started this today and it was super professional and about something?
0: But I think that that's part of the experience.
1: Yeah. Lucy Goosey, Duncan and Stuff vibe.
0: I've only done four. And, like, I'm in a closet. I'm
1: not, I'm trademarking it right now. Duncan and Stuff is Lucy Goosey.
0: No, oh, so is that the sign-off? Because I was, like, hoping something would come up organically, and now you said that, and I'm like, oh, God, I was really... Uh, don't
1: make that the sign-off.
0: Yeah, because the sign-off up to this point has been like, hey, until next week, try to learn something. And if you can't, try to be there for somebody. Oh, yeah, that's
1: can't. way too long.
0: Yeah. See, I was like, yeah, it's too long. Dunk, Duncan and stuff. Too long. <laughs> no, I. We'll have to do this again so that we can come up with a better sign off or something. Because like, yeah,
1: we'll get you. We'll get you a couple of guests on uh, so that they can do their thing, and then I'll come back and fucking school them all.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the case because you actually sounded pretty good. So I'm going to stop recording, and everybody out there in the world. It was good having you. Or thanks for coming by. Yeah. Bye. Say goodbye.
1: Bye.